Welcome to the Maris Review. I am so honored and delighted to be sitting across from Deborah Levy. She writes fiction, plays, and poetry. The author of highly praised novels, including Hot Milk and Swimming Home, both Man Booker Prize finalists, The Unloved, and Billy the Girl, and the story collection Black Vodka, and two parts of her working autobiography, Things I Don't Want to Know and The Cost of Living. She lives in London. <laughs> uh, the Man Who Saw Everything is her latest novel, also a Booker Prize nominee. Thank you so much for being here. It's really great to be here facing you wearing such you're wearing such a beautiful uh we say jumper what do you say sweater, sweater. but I I appreciate I like jumper yeah it's uh, so so good to meet you it's so good to meet you too and you know in my head I thought Maybe I should wear something a little nicer because I imagine she'll be wearing black. (laughs) (laughs) And you look very lovely. (laughs) Do you think we should get out of black? I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's a sign of something to get out of black? I think now that it's November, it's important to try to have those pops of color. I think you're right. You know, know, there's that line in the um, Chekhov play. I think it's Three Sisters. And Masha is the is the sort of gloomy, beautiful, clever sister, impossible sister. And uh, she says she's wearing black because she's in mourning for her life. <laughs> so it, it has to come from, it has to sort of, maybe it all started there and then um, Jean-Paul Godard made it all yes, obligatory <laughs> for us to be chic and in mourning. But I, I think I'm going to have to kind of um, jump out of this and try yellow. It works. I mean, I like that you would try yellow, just like you're, I mean, it's hard to call her a heroine in this novel, but. Um, ah, you are so clever. Are you thinking of, of Jennifer Moreau? I'm certainly thinking of Jennifer Moreau. In The Man Who Saw Everything. In The Man Who Saw Everything. And you have just picked up on, she says to, he says to her, I know nothing about you, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And she says, ask some questions then. And he sort of can't break into asking questions, doesn't know what to ask. And then he says, your favorite color is yellow. (laughs) (laughs) And that's such a great introduction to Saul, the the narrator of of this wonderful book. I I read, um, someone was talking about this, I, I must credit them later, that this is a novel we learn to read as we proceed. And, and and I found that to be true. Is that a good thing, you think? Yes. I, I mean, I like um, being a little disoriented. Okay. And then you, as a writer, help me find my ground as a reader. Yeah. You, do you feel you were steered to that end, um, you know, with with a grip on the wheel? Yes, indeed. Phew. <laughs> Job done. I do love, so briefly for the listeners, yeah. um, the story is told in two parts. We'll just say that the first part takes place in 1988 in yep. London and East Berlin. I don't want to talk too much about things that could could spoil. I'm, I'm doing yeah. Quick. Thank you for that. Yeah. So so instead, <laughs> I've done a lot of reading about where people in in the first part of the book. Yes find themselves dis- disoriented or find something a little off. Mm-hmm. It's like solving a mystery. It is. And um, the, the, the thing that I found right away was a line that um, Jennifer says to Saul 
Your eyes are so blue. It's quite unusual to have intense black hair and even more intense blue eyes. You are much prettier than I am. I want your cock inside me all the time. Everyone is frightened in the GDR, aren't they? Yeah. We put quite a lot of information in those four lines. <laughs> sort of like a bit off field, right? But all, all together. All together. Yeah. But don't you think life's like that? I, I do. Do you think there's like a, a, a sentence? It would be, it would be kind of bad to think. Oh, well, that's a novel-shaped sentence, right? Yes. <clears throat> so so I, I kind of like it when, when a character like, like we do in life is talking about one thing and then something else comes, <laughs> comes in, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I guess that is the language of the book, isn't it? It sort of allows a freedom yes. for, for, for that kind of thought process yes. to happen. And and I love that how many different ways Saul can tell himself that he is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have some modesty, do you think? Because um, he affects surprise. That's true. Because uh, Jennifer has forbidden him yes. to describe her. Yes. So did you notice that Jennifer, there's no description of Jennifer of in the whole book? Only, only her silver hair. Yes. Because she, she starts, she starts, um, uh, when the novel starts, she's 23, right? And then when the novel ends, she's around 51. Mm -hmm. So she has silver hair, but we don't know what color her hair was when she was. No, we can't picture her. Because Saul, who is narrating the story, keeps to his bargain with her. Mm-hmm. You must never describe my body or my beauty to me, says Jennifer, or to anyone else. And so I was thinking, well, can I really uh, make Jennifer come alive in this book? Give her real, uh, give her a mood and an agency and an attitude without ever actually describing her. I think her clothes towards yes. the end are described. Yes. And uh, that was so interesting. Do you get a sense of Jennifer? Can you picture her? Oh, absolutely. I'm so pleased. And and certainly when when we first hear about um this isn't a spoiler, about their breakup, Jennifer yeah. and Saul, certainly it seemed like a part of the story was missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so why did it happen? Yeah. Right. You are such a close reader. <laughs> it's it's so exciting to talk to a close reader because I think you're referring to, we don't really know why she dumps him. Right? No, I, I it seems like, where did that come from? What is she doing? Yeah. But we learn later on in the novel, I think it's okay to, okay, to yes. have this sort of reveal. Yes. That he he asks her to marry him. But where is he looking <laughs> when he asks this question? And he's looking, the door of their bedroom has opened, and he's looking at her flatmate, Claudia. And he is not looking at Jennifer, and he really desires Claudia. Yes. And he asks the question, and she says, I think it's over, Saul. Put your clothes on and leave. <laughs> so we learned that in retrospect. And I think yes. the novel plays with that. You know, it, 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 um, sets something up that's a mystery. Why does she, why is she so stern with him? Yes. And then later on, it's told again 
with more information. Mm -hmm. And I like that, uh, that, that sort of suits my style of storytelling to, to set something up that seems sort of, uh, you know, you kind of read as going, why? Mm -hmm. And it, it's explained later. And it's something that's very small. And something very big, isn't it? It's the gaze. Absolutely. It's where he's looking. So the man who saw everything, that title <laughs> yes. kind of very clever title. chimes through through the through every page. Um and, and, and also, of course, the photo exhibit that Jennifer mm -hmm. um does that's inspired by Saul is called A Man in Pieces. Yeah. And that is also a very good description of, of what we see of Saul in this novel. Someone said to me, I should have titled the book A Man in Pieces, which is, as you say, the title of Jennifer's show, the photographs of Saul that um, he, she took of him when he was 28. Um, and then I said, well, yeah, it's tempting. I did think about it, but... If you call it a man in pieces, then it's like you've already right. written, you've already written the novel in the title. You know, you've sort of given everything away. And the man who saw everything. I mean, it do, it it takes a little while to see what you're doing with the title there. Yeah. And I do love that Saul, of course, is the hero of his own story. Yes. But I love how you you eventually get around to rounding out all of many of the other characters, many of the other experiences that he has. Yeah, so he's he's telling the story and in a way, or he's telling the history, if you like, mm -hmm. because this is also a novel about yes. a personal history and a collective history. Um, so it's written in the first person, and that, that can be a little bit too close sometimes, I think, as a reader and as a writer. Right. Quite claustrophobic. You need to open the windows a bit, let in some fresh air. <laughs> and so the challenge of, of writing in the first person that I, that Saul is, is to let in other subjectivities. Yes. So Jennifer fills in some of the missing, some of the gaps in his story. Uh, Jack yes. is... Um, he sort of comes into his own at the end, doesn't he? It's like Saul wants to deny that Jack is a major person in his life. He wants yes. to make um, Jack minor. Jack is just the guy who finished his lunch one day. Exactly. <laughs> so we learn what happened. That, that's a good example because they have lunch at the beginning of the book. I always like to say they have they have lunch at the end of the 20th century yes, because sure. it's set in 1988. Yes. And let's just say they love us in the 21st, at the beginning of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So the book is, is, you know, is set right at the end of the 20th century, 1988. Um, I quite like the end of, um, I quite like writing for the end of centuries. I mean, hmm. this, we've got a long way to go with, with our one. Yes, this one is dragging yeah, on. Yeah, are we going to be all right? <laughs> I <do> you, think? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> well, uh, let's not, okay. uh, let's not go there. No, no. But there's quite a lot of the future in my book, isn't yes. there? Except that it's as if it, it seems as if, um, Saul, at one point, can kind of predict the future. Yes, it does. So in 1988, in East Germany, he's telling his translator, Walter Muller, what's going to happen in 1989 and 90 and 91. 
um, he's saying, you know, the wall's going to come down, Walter, and you'll yeah. be able to travel freely. And um, and I guess then uh, there's a question, how does he know? Yes, how does he know? He's only a minor historian. <laughs> there's nothing in the writing that says, you know, as a historian, I am looking at how this might land. Right. There's no real back to the future kind of aspect. It's not a sort of supernatural thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but we kind of think, without spoilers, we kind of can tell by the end. Do you agree? Yes. Why? Why he had that information? Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm fascinated always to hear about East Germany, and I, I think even um, in terms of feeling like that's a different century. 1988 in East Germany, mm -hmm. the, the people there are trying to find fruit to eat and uh, mm -hmm. listening to the Beatles for the first time. Yeah, all the all the lyrics of pop songs were censored yeah. by the Stasi. So there's some playfulness, isn't there? Yes, there is. Because um, there's a Beatles theme and uh, Saul says, you know, so the lyrics, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What could that, what could possibly be? It possibly be that's being said yes to. Um, but by the time he arrives in the GDR, I, I said to my kids, do you know what the GDR is? And they said, do you mean GPS? <laughs> so I knew that I would have to kind of explain right yeah. at the beginning a little bit about, about the wall. Yes. Um, and how it divided uh, Germany into two parts and um, and all of that. But I grew up with that wall. Right. I never went to East Germany, but it was very much something that my generation grew up with. Mm -hmm. And um, on the west side, you could see all the graffiti and the yes. images. And then on the east side, you know, you could only imagine how bleak that was because that would be barbed wire. I obviously researched that wall and there's a kind of strip of finely raked sand. There were two walls on the east side. And uh, between them, um, uh, you can hear the research coming in here, finely <laughs> raked sand. And I thought, oh, I wonder if when Luna, who is Walter's translator's sister, escape she really wants to get out whether she would leave a print on that right. sand but i thought i can't actually go there because um people really did get shot right uh it felt like something it felt like something that um should not be part of my story actually but the research of that war even though i thought i knew it um fairly well was really shocking to me yeah and uh when it comes down and Walter and Saul meet in the new century yeah. with the borders open. I even feel like even in Britain, even in America, our ideas about sexuality and gender mm -hmm. um, in the 1980s mm. feel like a full century ago versus, really do, don't they? versus how we feel now or how I hope we feel now. Yeah, I mean, I I think I wanted to look at an authoritarian regime mm -hmm. that wasn't uh, too far away, you know, um, and throw a Saul Adler at it. Mm -hmm. um, he is so freakishly beautiful. Right. He, he um, he's bisexual. He 
um, wears pearls and he wears eyeliner and he, he's very much, you know, in, in, in Britain, glam rock. That was yes, Mark Bolan and, and, and David Bowie. That was a very big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was a time when girls and boys could actually escape from the rigidity right. of their parents and grandparents' rigid ideas about what masculinity is mm-hmm. and what femininity is and actually mess around a bit and, and, and express themselves more. So Saul, who has this authoritarian father, who wanted a much more stereotypically yes. mannish son. You know, <laughs> he doesn't feel that he's embarrassed by Saul. And Saul loathes him for that. And he, um, so Saul writes his uh, doctorate on the psychology of male yes. tyrants, which really made me laugh when I was writing <laughs> it because, you know, it's just a way of getting even with his dad. <laughs> but it also feeds into because he's also writing about stalin yes so it feeds into the east german theme and it feeds into his own childhood and i you have a line about how stalin dismissed deleted from the historical record um the details that didn't fit his narrative yeah that were inconvenient right and, and what's Saul doing? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Uh, that's um, a, a really key line that you've chosen there because, I mean, I, I think we all do that. You know, we all would like to delete from the record the yeah, parts of, of our own narratives that you think, oh gosh, I, I wish <sighs> I done that better you know <laughs> yeah. actually freud's got a, a very good term for it uh for daydreaming he says you know when we're sitting on a bus or the subway and we're going we're thinking through something that happened the night before right and we didn't come out well <laughs> in it we make and, and this is freud's term little corrections sure. to reality so you kind you of change it and you give yourself a better line. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I really like that idea because I think we, we do it all the time. And Saul's doing it all the time, mm-hmm. making little corrections to reality all through the book. I love it. When when we see Saul in, in a different light, do we even understand that he might be causing actual damage? trouble to other people yeah so jennifer fills in some of the gaps in saul's memory and he's a he's a man coming to consciousness Mm -hmm. um so that could go two ways just like really literally right he's knocked over right he's knocked out Yes. So we, we're not doing spoilers, <laughs> but also a man who's beginning to feel things that were just too overwhelming to feel at the time. Right. So um, he says, but just as you think things are going to kind of go right for him and, and Jennifer Moreau, because this book is also like a 30-year argument between a man and a <laughs> yes. woman, you know, he'll, he'll say, we're, we're attached, Jennifer, you and I. Yes. And, and she'll say, no. That's exactly the thing that you never wanted us to be. <sighs> so he said, and that's why you were attracted to me. You know, no one actually wins in a way right. in the book. And the, um, I guess the pleasure of arguing, isn't it? 
is to sort of really feel that we've won that argument. Yes. Come in with such a good line that the other person just bows down and says, <laughs> okay, I take it. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted them both to have actually quite good, good answers to, to difficult questions and that neither win. So it's just continues, yeah. just continues as an argument forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I suppose each has to find, has to have the empathy to, or doesn't, to, to see the other side. They do sometimes and they don't other times, <laughs> right? It, it's, it's so interesting um, to write an argument in which no one actually wins with the final say. I mean, obviously, Saul has a final, uh, has his final moment on earth. And Jennifer, J Jennifer's thing is that she, she, she says to him, you know, I had to run away from your love. Yes. Uh, she doesn't want to hear, you know, that he loves her. She, she had to get away as fast as she could, and she did. Mm -hmm. Yet she is there by his side yes. when he is uh, injured Yes, in this car crash. And they're still arguing, even though he, he is injured. And he's very tender oh, as yes. well as very vain. He's very loving as well as very narcissistic. Mm -hmm. He's very f strong, actually as well as being very fragile. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that that's what I'm up to in the novel because, like, I think you're supposed to choose one of those things, like right. a very strong character or a very vulnerable character. Right. But I don't think life is like that. I think we can be really strong on a Monday and quite vulnerable on a Tuesday. Of course. Right? So why not try and get something of that in The Man Who Saw Everything? I love that. I think that's a, a great place <laughs> to stop and ask you about books, your other books you're reading. Okay. Well, you know, I've been on book tour now um, since, yes, for since how this long? novel's for four, eight weeks, and it's really difficult to read. So I am reading, uh, grazing three books, uh, Benjamin Moses, Sontag and yes. Life. It's a big one to carry around. It's a big one to carry around. <laughs> That's time for a Kindle, right? <laughs> so I'm just kind of beginning that. I am also looking forward to Lydia Davis's. Oh, book that's also of, big. Of, isn't it? <laughs> of of essays. Yes. Yeah. So those are the those are the two on my radar right now. Oh, wonderful! Thank you so much for taking the time to come Thank on. Thank you for your great questions. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review, and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.